Yle Podcast. This podcast series is based on my experiences while making the documentary film Who Was Felix Kirsten? The film is about Heinrich Himmler's mysterious personal doctor and the revelations that followed. The reason for making this podcast is that after finishing the documentary, well, suffice it to say that the Felix Kirsten story never really went away. Episode 4. 20 years later, the story lives on. Flash forward years later. I met a professor of screenwriting from Boston University, John Bernstein. He was a visiting lecturer at the Tampere University of Applied Sciences, where I'm on the faculty. I happened to share with him the story of Kirsten and about the film I made. John's father had been the director of the World Jewish Congress in Israel, but he had never heard of Kirsten before either. John got interested. While Kirsten was not on his radar before, it just so happened that years ago, he actually met two persons, Hillel Storch and Norbert Mazur, who had played a prominent role in Felix Kirsten's history during the waning months of World War II. Soon after connecting with John, I was alerted by a friend to the fact that someone in Germany had introduced a new, interesting theory about Felix Kersten. I thought I had heard everything about Kersten, but this new information was, how shall I put it, nothing short of amazing. The German writer Werner Neuss, a retired surgeon, claims that the Felix Kersten the world knows was actually someone else a person by the name of Felix Huberti. Huberti, born and raised in Halle an der Saale, committed a political murder in Halle in 1919, then fled the town and was never seen again. According to Werner Neuss, Huberti escaped to Estonia, joined local Finnish Estonian Freikorps unit Pohjan Poyad, and, and this was the interesting part in his theory, while he was there, assumed a new identity, possibly taken from a dead Freikorps volunteer, Felix Edward Alexander Kersten. I told all this to John, who had also read Neuss's book. We decided to travel all the way to Halle and to meet Werner Neuss. Hi, John. You are in Helsinki? Yes. There's one meeting tomorrow morning and then afternoon I'm going to leave. Berlin. Okay. And uh, when a noise has been silent. He wrote yesterday, today, emails, he says, uh, hoping, uh, you know, hoping that the meeting uh, in Halle goes on. Oh, he said that he has, uh, I think he has sisters there or something like that. So he's always there already. So do you have uh, five microphones? I have only three wireless microphones. I guess it, it would be just a question of who would be the, I mean, we'll decide whether, but probably Polly would be the uh, the main one, but I guess, you know, that's that's fine. Then Toby can just uh, help in case. Uh, Polly Taubach and her partner and John's son, Tobias, Toby, came along as interpreters because Werner does not speak English. Also, I, I, I did some Googling of Dr. Ko yesterday. <laughs> did you find anything? So... I think the thing that I found, which was more of not finding anything, but it was rather the fact that um, every single reference to him 
seems to be referring back to the same phrase or sentence, just that this one famous line of, um, you've, you've learned everything you need to know, now I will leave you my practice. And then returning back to China, some people say China, some people say Tibetan. Halle is a small, old industrial city in the middle of Germany. After the war, Halle had been a part of East Germany. The streets and alleys reminded us of those times. It was like a journey back in time. We met Werner Neuss in his old parents' home. So, guten Tag, ja, ich bin der Bruder. So, my name is Arthur Koskinen. Hello, das nice to meet you. Das ist Arthur Koskinen, ja, Arthur. Herzlich willkommen. Und das ist schon Bernstein. Die Frage ist einfach beantwortet. Nachdem ich in Rente gegangen war, machte ich mich über die vier Bände Memoiren meines Vaters. Werner Neuss based his theory on his father, Eric Neuss's diaries. Okay, ich übersetze mal. Yeah. Um, so his research started um, after the death of his um, father. He read um, the four books of his uh, father's memoirs. And um, in the first book, on like one of the first few pages, there was already um, a mention of uh, Felix Roberti, his um, much smarter and clever friend. Um, and there was the first introduction of Felix Roberti to him also. In those diaries, Eric Noyce claims that he is absolutely certain that Heinrich Himmler's personal masseur, Felix Kersten, is, in reality, his long-lost, close childhood friend, Felix Huberti. His father talks about Kersten um, and the later career of Felix Kersten in his memoirs. Um, and he also suggests in his memoirs that um, Huberti was Kersten. After World War I, Felix Huberti had been a leader of one of the Freikorps units in Halle. The Freikorps were a kind of paramilitary unit who populated the politically divided Weimar Republic. The Freikorps were former soldiers, and their main political agenda was to fight against communist and socialist groups in Germany. Felix Huberti served as a medic with the rank of a non-commissioned officer. His Freikorps codename was Lieutenant Roth. And that was really um, particular because he was so young, but he apparently um, had a very strong appearance for his age and um, impressed people and was able to lead those groups of um, majorly bourgeois um, citizens and um, who were students and also um, older high schoolers. Er hatte zwei Brüder, zwei ältere Brüder. Und Technically, he would have been able to um, join the, the army, but he um, he was the third youngest son, so by law he. His older sons were supposed to go to war and not him, but he really wanted to go, so he became a medic in the war. He did really well and became a um, Sanitätsfeldwebel. No? Yeah. 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 It's a warrant officer. Um, yeah, warrant officer. And um, On the night, the 13th of March, he and a couple of his Freikorps fellows murdered a socialist naval leader, Karl Meseberg and threw his body off the bridge on the River Saale. 
Karl Meseberg war ein Obermatrose auf dem Linienschiff Westfalen und muss einer der Initiatoren der Matrosenmeuterei. Und die war sehr stark kommunistisch orientiert. Karl Meseberg was a sailor who returned to Halle after 1918, after a sailor uprising. So he returned to his hometown Halle and um, became part of a sailor... Um, Matrosenkompanie. Matrosenkompanie? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So cool, yeah, yeah. Soon after the murder, Huberti disappeared from sight, vanished into thin air. And then he fled to... Um, to Estonia, to, um, to flee prosecution of the murder. In which point does he think that uh, Felix Huberti took uh, the identity of uh, Felix Gerst? Mm. Das ist eigentlich ziemlich klar. Er meldet sich ja im, im, äh, im März oder ja im März äh, bei den Pohan Boyat schon als Kersten an. He thinks that he took his identity a few weeks after the murder of uh, Meseberg, um, because that's what, that's when he applied as as um, as Kersten to the Finnish Estonian Freikorps. And how did it happen, in, in actually? Was, wie, wie glauben Sie, dass das passiert ist? Er äh, war in demselben der Huberti kommt in dasselbe Freikorps, Puan Poyat, wo Kersten drin ist. Kersten wird vermisst und äh, Huberti meldet, geht nach Dorpat und meldet den Eltern, mein, ihr, ihr Sohn, mein Kamerad äh, Felix Kersten ist vermisst. The assumption is that um, him and Kersten met in that Freikorps. Um, a few days later, Kersten got missing. Maybe Huberti even went to um, tell Kerstin's parents that his son um, has disappeared and that he is uh, fleeing prosecution um, in Germany. Taking as a son. Yeah, and if, if they would uh, agree to let him take their son's identity. Noyes had obtained several documents from the Finnish archives, which seemed to be supporting his story. At least it was something worth speculating about. Erklärung, Beitrittserklärung zu den Pohan Poyat, das sind die Söhne des Nordens, ein estnisch-finnisches Freikorps in, in, in diesen In his own memoirs, Felix Kersten was relating that he first came to Finland in 1918 to join the ongoing civil war. But the available documents show that he had actually come to Finland at the end of June 1919. The civil war had ended a year earlier. Kein Dokument, was beweist, dass Felix Kersten ein Vizefeldwebel ist. So one surprising thing that he found was a document, an application for um, to be part of an Estonian-Finnish um, Freikorps, Freikorps of Felix Kersten. And um, behind his name, he also, he also writes with his in, in handwriting Feldwebel which is like the step below sergeant, just under a leutnant. And, yeah, that's, and that's surprising because there's no hint for Kasten having that rank at any point. Werner Neuss had pointed out also that the military service record from the German army that he presented to the Finnish official could not possibly be authentic. According to that service record, 
Felix Kersten had started his service in the German army as early as 1914, serving first in almost every front in France. The following year, he had moved to Africa, Iraq, Gaza, the Suez Canal, what is now Saudi Arabia, and then back to Somme, Peronne, Ankrebach, Bapom, Manetz, and many other places. Many fronts in Verdun, too. In fact, too many to mention. But the best is saved for the end of the document. According to the document, he also served in the Air Force and took part in the bombings of London. The record must have greatly impressed Finnish officials, whose fledgling army was desperately in need of skilled mercenaries, especially from Germany. In Kurvenau macht er einen Flug und, und in binnen kurzer Zeit darf er als Bomberpilot mitfliegen nach London und okay. Bomben abwerfen. Okay, Polly, only tap and it's translate. <laughs> Then we can go. Just that he listed up all the places where the, the, yeah, the yeah, places that it was impossible to um, to be in all those places in that short period of time. He was also yeah. in the Air Force and he had begun a bombing mission to London. Also in existence was another military service record for a Felix Edward Alexander Kersten, which was entirely different from the one Felix Edward Alexander had presented in Finland. This record paints a portrait of a completely different Felix Kersten, one which seems to contradict the heroic warrant officer who boasted of an impressive military career beginning back in 1914. This Felix Kersten only held the rank of private not a non-commissioned officer, nor a sergeant. The record shows that this Felix Kersten had joined the service in 1917 in the Baltic Regiment. Then comes an interesting detail again. The following year, he had been serving in Halle, in the same town where Felix Huberti hails from. The end of 1918 finds him finishing his service in the Baltic police forces, no mention whatsoever about any service in the Finnish army. In his memoir, Kersten, he also relates how he had contracted a severe rheumatic fever and was hospitalized in Helsinki. That seemed to be correct. An interesting detail here is that Felix Kersten had told the attending doctors that his profession in civil life was that of an opera singer. <laughs> Ja, ich sehe da die menschliche Natur, wenn man das so, so sagen will. Und die hat allerlei Möglichkeiten. But what he thinks is important is that it's a, um, a story about a, a young man and that it's just very human and not a criminal mastermind who um, found his opportunity to trick everyone, but instead just got on the wrong path at the wrong time and then just continued taking the wrong turn. So, we thank you for your time. Thank you for the attention that I don't always get. That's why today from four Before we left Halle, we decided to visit the bridge where the murder took place. This is the bridge. Yeah. It's probably on the other side. It's kind of odd to be on the bridge now, 
as if this is uh, in a way the start of the whole uh, Uberti saga. Because, the story of Felix Kesten. Uh, and Felix Kesten, because uh, with Karl uh, Meseberg thrown off the bridge, led to the disappearance of uh, Huberti and uh, ultimately to reborn and materialize into a new identity right here. If the story is true, yes. we don't know, but it's... Yeah. Uh, it's uh... Karl Meseberg, der Führer der Revolution. The leader of the revolutionary sailor company Halle Matrus. was thrown the night between the 13th to the 14th of March, 1919, cowardly murdered and thrown in the Saale, the, the river we're standing over. And um, on the 19th of March, his body was found. And thousand of the best Halische workers Work. gave him the, the, last. Uh, the, la the last goodbye. They sent him off. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it looks so pastoral and so beautiful. Uh, exactly. Of course, the story behind, you know, the story what we have heard changes the <laughs> perspective. Yeah. Yes. Perspective and atmosphere. And, and expectations. We might say, just as your uh, journey started with the magazine, now we have the um, journey starts from standing on the bridge. Yes, that's true. Where Messeberg was uh, thrown off. The podcast is directed and realized by Arto Koskinen. Written by Arto Koskinen and John Bernstein. The voiceover of Arto Koskinen is dramatized by Trent Pansy. Sound design and music is made by Kimmo Vantinen.